Welcome to Legal News and Review, recipient of the Florida Bar Award of Excellence. Legal News and Review, the only real problem solver radio program using the law. With your moderator, Philip Bell, and hosts and legal panel attorney, Gary Singer, chair of the Broward County Bar Association's Real Property Section. Gary Singer is board certified in real estate law and a syndicated columnist from the Sun Sentinel. He is an expert in his field of practice. Now, here's your moderator, Philip Bell. On the docket for today's program, if you buy a new or even pre-owned aircraft for business purposes and place it into service before January 2023, get this, you can write off the entire cost of the purchase. It's like the government is going to pay you to get a new plane or even a used one, I guess. But today, from the law firm of Aero Law Office, that's PLLC, is a founder, Mohammed Farouki. Did I do it right? Yep. Oh, my goodness. Get his cow. name right. Never uh, mind. Never yours. It's all right, Aaron. Muhammad is a aviation attorney with clients throughout the United States, Central America, South America, and the Caribbean. He also chaired the Florida Bar Aviation Law Committee. And today, we're going to be talking about the new tax law and other issues regarding business aircraft purchases, sales, and maintenance, and all the other issues that he deals with. It's fascinating. It's amazing to me the... the uh, the volume of the airplanes that are being produced right now, we don't have enough pilots. But first, I'd like to introduce and welcome the legal panel for today's program. Gary Singer, good afternoon. Hey, Phil. How are you doing today? Another day in paradise, you Gary. Know, Phil, I never do this on the show, but I'm going to take an opportunity and uh, I'm going to pump my uh, podcast, The Business of Life. So just go into your fam- favorite sure. podcast app and look up The Business of Life, and you can hear a great podcast uh with all of the things I've learned from Phil, I'm even going to have Phil on it. Maybe Aaron Yen went on it as well. Um, but the business of life, it actually teaches people how to do stuff that they have to do to get their life done and gives them kind of the instruction manual from insiders. And uh, after six, seven years of being on the show, it's the first time I've ever done that. But it's the business of life. I didn't check with you in advance because I didn't want you to say no. Well, and now we're going to get on to the good stuff. Well, Thank you. Again, good afternoon, Gary. That's all I wanted to hear. Good afternoon. Don't you dare cut that out, <laughs> producer. <laughs> That's good stuff. And what would a program be nowadays without Eric Yankwood? Eric, good afternoon. Gee, how do I follow Three Gary on weeks that? in a row you got it right. Way to go, Phil. I know. But he doesn't say it with the same pride as my father would. Let's you know have his your mean? father say it. Eric Yankwit. I yeah. like it. Right? There's a little, little pride up, in You just woke up somewhere listening. Work on ring that to it. And yeah. talk about our listeners. Good afternoon. Listening on 96.9 FM, 103.9 FM, and 7.40 AM WSPR, along with our national listeners on iHeart, TuneIn, and iRadio Now. Welcome, and thanks for joining us today. I'd like to remind our listeners, on most Thursdays at 5.30 p.m., you can tune in and watch us live. Actually, see us in the production on Facebook Live. Just Google Facebook Legal News and Review, and you'll see we're recording today at the Kelly Ustall Building in their very own mock courtroom. You talk about resources. They recently built this $10 million building dedicated to the firm and justice, and it's because of these resources, as well as their successes, are the reasons why attorneys refer them cases. If you've been severely injured by someone else's negligence, just go to justiceforall.com. That's justiceforall.com. From the law firm, Aero Law Office, PLLC, Mohammed, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Welcome. I'm doing great. Mohammed, 100% bonus depreciation? 
mean, it's unheard of. I, mean, I remember when they were doing things like with Hummers. If it was over 5000 you get a complete tax write-off on the Hummer. But they took that away. Right. Um, what What's is a Hummer? Uh, <laughs> Ask your fun. wife. Oh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We that's, can edit that out. That's going to get um, beat. Uh, oh, holy crap, he says. <laughs> Got to know your lines, man. 100% bonus depreciation. Mohammed, how does that actually work? Well, it's not necessarily as easy as it seems. Um, because in order to get that 100% depreciation uh, in that first year, you have to prove that you are using the aircraft uh, predominantly for business use, and it has to be a qualified business use. And there are certain types of uses that do not um, qualify as a qualified business use. Uh, for example, uh, flights that are provided as compensation to um, the uh, a five percent or greater owner or a related person right. of the business or you know the business entity. Um, Flights that are provided as compensation to other service providers, unless the flights were included in such uh, service providers' gross income. So there's a uh, a variety of uh, activities that are exempt uh, or, or not counted as a qualified business use. Uh, you have to use the aircraft strictly for business in order to achieve that. Um, well, that makes sense. Right. That, that makes so, sense. So let me ask but you. But wait, wait one second. Gary Singer, you're, you're a dirt attorney. You're a real estate attorney. And Is you've been dirt? experienced to, in you're those. bad as him, man. You've been experienced in those uh, uh, like-kind exchanges, the, what's called, yep. I guess, 1031? Mm-hmm. Um, do they still allow that for aircraft or, or no? No, they did away with it because the uh, r- the real estate mafia only wanted 1031s <laughs> for real estate. <laughs> <laughs> you better watch who you're messing with. You're talking like that. <laughs> Yeah, you are a dirt attorney. You put you in the dirt. <laughs> but um, that's interesting. I guess they have to take away to, in order to give this. And I understand it's been a big boom for a lot of aviation attorneys because they're selling planes. and But they're selling planes, and, and they don't have pilots. That's That I find interesting. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a complex uh, topic uh, with respect to uh, pilot shortage. Um it affects both, uh, you know, uh, commercial um, flights, yep. as well as charter flights, as well as um, uh, the private flights. Um, all around, there's a shortage of pilots throughout the world, um, and of course in the United States. Yeah, that's yeah. a big problem. Like, what, what's what's being? I mean, it's a little off the top, but what's being done about that? Are countries or is America like pushing people to get into that? Is there educational initiative? Because I've heard that before, and that's a huge issue. Not enough is being done about it. Okay. Um, There are several issues that come into play. Uh, For one thing, uh, flight schools are typically Mm -hmm. mom-and-pop flight schools that struggle, um, and they're typically not recognized by the Department of Education. So then um, uh, prospective pilots cannot get a FAFSA student loan or grant or anything to attend flight school. Okay. All right? Um, and, of course, the airlines are not running flight schools. And you have to get your basic flight training, uh, get your two or 300 hours of uh, flight training to become a commercial pilot and then the flight instructor. And then you have to work as a flight instructor for a number of years, you know, get at least 1,500 hours of flight experience. 
before you can even be considered to uh, work as a airline pilot or a charter pilot, even as a first officer. Forget about wow. captain. So we're talking um, tens of thousands of dollars to get your license at that level. Yeah, it can cost a lot of money to it. It's it so it's just really much, hard. Yeah, it costs as much as going to college. Yeah, but you have a guaranteed school. job, unlike those that are spending that kind of money in college, unfortunately. Yeah, if you qualify, if you're right. still physically fit and mentally fit by the time you come out the other end, um, you know, pilots have to uh, maintain uh, physical fitness. Um, there's three classes of medical certificates, um, but when you're in the airline or charter world, you get the first class medical certificate, and for that you have to pass rigorous um, uh, exams, fly, uh, physicals, uh, every six months. You're you're a pilot yourself. Yes. So you understand, you know, the the uh, if you will, the, the trials and tribulations of, of flying. Yes. As well, an interesting report came out of Washington that all economic indicators show that air travel in the United States is so strong, aircraft operations are expected to increase more than 25% in the next 20 years. That's huge. I mean, U.S. airline, uh, that's going to increase from $743 million, that was in 2017, to over $780 million uh, in 2018. That's a 5% increase in terms of air travel, and it's only going to be getting better than that as the economies uh, are growing. I mean, the world is now flat, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, as well. Um, Right. The, so the economies and population growth are driving um, more air traffic. Also, um, when Boeing and Airbus and maybe Embraer and Bombardier uh, develop certain types of aircraft, it might open more routes. There's a lot of routes that don't exist because they wouldn't be profitable right. under the current environment. Uh, but when new routes potentially become profitable, that could create more traffic. And ultimately, it does exacerbate the pilot shortage. Um, it also taxes the existing infrastructure. I mean, how many airplanes can you take off and land from the same runway in right. an hour? You, you know, but I imagine the, the change of technology, also the drone issue. Yeah. yeah I imagine that's yeah, uh, and, and creating some about, havoc in your world. Right. And speaking about drones, I mean, they're being used for so many different things. Right. Uh, now Amazon's going to use them for delivery. But interesting enough, because they could put a camera on there, and we've had some insurance defense attorneys on, huh. and their investigators use drones to follow people to make sure they're they're truly injured and not doing something that uh, you know is considered fraud as right. well. It's amazing the uses that keep coming coming up with it. And in Dubai, they have a taxi. We talked about this. It's a taxi. It's a drone taxi. Right. You could actually uh, sit in the vehicle and, and go go about your business. Of course, it's automated as well. But the drone industry keeps growing, and how has it affected your practice, or, or what are the issues that you deal with when it comes to drones? Well, the issues that I'm lecturing on um, right. in the last couple of years about drones is that uh, there are a lot of people who want to make commercial use, a lot of mom and pops mm -hmm. who want to make commercial use of drones, whether they are wedding photographers, professional videographers, um, uh, pipeline inspectors, construction I got one people, for you. roof inspectors. Willie the Bee Man. Willie the Bee Man was an underwriter of my show. Right. Not to just plug him, but oh, uh, using uh, like FPL, those tall towers. Right. He uses that now to to not only you know survey, but also to actually, if he needs to, insecticide them. Exactly. So this is, these are all commercial use. Right. For compensation. Um, so you need a special license. So you need, you need a remote pilot license. 
Um, it's not hard to get it. You, you know, you you uh, uh, take an online course. You learn about airspace laws and uh, federal right. aviation regulations. You you take an exam, um, and then you retake the exam every two years, um, and it's not expensive. And you register your drone if it is more than a half a pound or less than fifty-five pounds. Um, uh, it has to be registered when you're using it for commercial use. So um, um, I just don't, want, I don't mean to interrupt, but say I was a realtor. Just did. <laughs> <laughs> say I'm a realtor and I had a drone and I take a picture of my client's property. Right. You're going I to need jail. a license? Or I'm going to jail like Gary says? Mm -hmm. You need a license because if, if you violate the uh, rules requiring licensing and registration, you could uh, face civil penalties um, in the tens of thousands. Um, and c by contrast, it only costs five dollars to register your drone with the FAA. <laughs> okay, wow. so you're talking about civil penalties in the tens of thousands. If your violation is willful, then you could face potential criminal penalties and additional. Uh, I know fines. he's doing it on purpose right. for but sure. You shared with me, and uh, now it's an eye opener that these smaller drones they use the same frequency as a, a garage door opener. Right, so if the, if you're talking about drones that are under two hundred, under a hundred dollars, uh, they're you know they're very light, maybe a couple of ounces to a couple of pounds, um, made of styrofoam, maybe made of hard plastic, they often use forty nine megahertz um, mm -hmm. radio frequencies to communicate between the remote control and the drone. Right, um, and that forty nine megahertz is uh, is basically an unsecured, unencrypted uh, uh, radio frequency that's shared with garage door openers, uh, uh, baby monitors, um, uh, radio-controlled cars, old-school cordless phones, so on and so forth. And let's say, for example, you're playing with that drone at a park that's near an airport or near a hel helicopter operation, and um, suddenly somebody uses a garage door opener nearby, and there's an errant signal that confuses your drone, this is a possibility that you're, you lose control of your right. drone, it flies away, oh my and you're near the airport, near a helicopter operation. So you have to be very careful with these cheaper drones. You want to play with them, go as far away from the airport as possible. But they're using drones to save money. I have a good friend of mine, I'm not going to drop names or movies, but he's a producer in California. And he calls me up excited. He says, you know, Phil, I saved $100,000 today. They don't have to use helicopter for the same shoot. They use drones now because the HD cameras are, are so available. And right. You just made efficient. that up. No, I didn't make that up. It's a you true did. story. You don't know anyone in California. Really? No. Okay, when we get off, when we yeah, get yeah, offline, yeah, right. I'm going to tell you who it is. <laughs> Let me ask you. So, But this is only, you only need to register them for commercial use. So people can keep spying on their neighbors without worry about being licensed. No, you can't spy on anybody. Well, okay. you know, I didn't mean yeah, to I mean, spy. <laughs> They're just driving around with a camera pointed that way by accident. Right. We, we know well, that's what you do. I mean, there I do not. There are privacy issues, um, and there are Florida statutes that, and, 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 and state statutes in every uh, uh, state now uh, that address... Um, you know, unwarranted uh, surveillance, mm -hmm. um, but you know, and and that that statute kicks in whether you're using your drone for commercial use or non-commercial use. The bottom line is you have to be very careful about not violating uh, violating somebody's uh, privacy. Right. Uh, now, with re with respect to recreational use, you can still register your uh, drone. You can still get a drone pilot's license. You just don't have to. But there are a lot of people who think that they are uh, using their drone in recreational use, but in fact, they may be crossing the line and actually using it for compensation. 
Gotcha. And so when in doubt, go ahead and register your drone and get a, a pilot's license. Case in point, uh, some wedding photographer who attends her church is going to a church barbecue and she decides, you know, there's 200 people. I'm going to video the whole event sure. for free. It's innocuous, right? yeah. It's innocuous. But the thing is that um, she's building goodwill with her um, church and mm -hmm. with her congregation. And that goodwill could be parlayed into new paying customers. So that goodwill is compensation, potentially, because there is a, a past case law in front of the National Transportation Safety Board where private pilots who are not authorized to fly for compensation because they're not commercial pilots, uh, they got their license suspended mm -hmm. uh, because uh, pilots were flying their friends to places um, and there was something RI about that flight right. and they got reported on and the FAA inspected that flight and uh, concluded that that flight was for compensation because the pilot was trying to get goodwill from somebody. Right. So I have a comment. We can talk about drones clearly all day, but I have a question about well, we you, just actually. No, no. I mean, it's, it's that interesting, actually. And, you know, it touches all of us day to day with, with the way technology is coming. But I have a question about you, about an aviation attorney. What do you... What's your typical day look like? What kind of cases? Who who are your clients? You know, I'm, I'm very interested in because it's such an interesting area of law, but, you know, most of us don't have planes. Okay. So, you know, what are you doing all day? So, half of my work Phil is has one. transactional, mm -hmm. uh, facilitating purchases, sales, leases, registration, import, export of aircraft. Um, the other half of the work is a combination of FAA enforcement, defense, and uh, commercial litigation in the aviation context. So hot topics uh, in uh, FAA enforcement defense. The FAA is coming down hard on uh, people who uh, violate regulations and they will issue suspensions ranging from 25-day suspensions of pilot's license to 180-day suspensions. Like what kind of regulations? Like, you know, getting wasted before they fly or something? Or less serious no, things? No, that can, that can result in a revocation. Gotcha. And that's a more serious enforcement. So what would be um, like an infraction for a pilot? Um, the big thing in South Florida is violating a temporary flight restriction. So uh, the, the president comes down to Palm Beach on weekends. Ah. Uh, there is a, a TFR, temporary flight restriction, mm -hmm. every weekend that shuts down the uh, airports uh, in and around Palm Beach and a 10-mile radius or 30-mile radius, depending on how they configure it each time. Right? And uh, sometimes uh, pilots who are flying around, especially flight training pilots, um, they might accidentally... Uh, glance across the border of that temporary gotcha, flight restriction. Gotcha. Um, and they may face a 30-day suspension of their license or 60-day suspension of the license. That's their livelihood. Right. Yeah. Um, especially for a flight instructor. Yeah, for sure. You know? um, uh, there are air, minor airspace violations. Like, for example, uh, Atlanta airspace is a Class B airspace um, that about five years ago was reconfigured um, and so the size of that airspace was uh, increased at the expense of airspace that was uh, reserved for other nearby smaller airports. And um, there were pilots who were flying, uh, going to other airports, and they have to get clearance to get 
go through the Class B airspace of Atlanta International Airport before uh, penetrating that airspace boundary. Gotcha. And then, uh, so there were a couple of, a uh, few pilots here and there who uh, messed up, uh, you know, mismeasured because there were changes. Um, maybe they didn't have an updated uh, map uh, or some other violation like that. And they went clear across the airspace for 20 whole minutes um, before realizing that they were in the wrong airspace and, you know, they faced 180-day suspensions. Oh, wow. You know? so, so the documentation part of your practice, mm -hmm. since airplanes are movable goods, I imagine they could avoid Florida sales tax by having that plain transaction. That's a, that's a good question because each state happen, has a different sales tax. Happen in the Bahamas maybe or wherever. Okay, so sales and use tax is fairly complex, especially in Florida because the Florida Department of Revenue is very aggressive about uh, collecting sales and use tax on aircraft. Uh, in fact, they have uh, some clerks and attorneys who specialize in dealing with aviation. Um, but they top up on dock stamps, right? I mean, they make, at least with, uh, like, real estate transactions, they they limit the top end of it on, you know, very expensive goods, so that way you pay it because it's cheaper to pay it than it is to go elsewhere and do the deed. It's 6% of the purchase price of the aircraft. Just with no limit. No limit. Oh, wow. So it's yeah. not like with boats where they changed the law years ago to do exactly what yeah, Gary was talking land, about. Yeah, boats and land, there's the caps at, what, nine grand or something. It's not a lot. Right. Yeah. You get the dollar other, states, lot. other states have caps. On aircraft trends, uh, really? and then what yeah. about limiting the liability? So why wouldn't you to answer? I'm uh, sorry, okay. but why would to, to answer Eric's question? Why wouldn't you then go to one of those states instead of doing it in Florida? Okay, so then when uh, if say for example you're a Florida resident, you uh, committed the transaction in another state and paid the lower sales tax of that state. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to hit with the use tax. Then you're going to get Florida. hit with the use tax right. over here. Ah. Right. You will get credit for, uh, for what you the amount that you paid in the other state. But if you set up a trust, an LLC in that other state mm -hmm. or a country, and that was the owner of the aircraft, does that help? DOR does not care. Really? Department of Revenue says that if you are using that aircraft here consistently, um, then so it's just based it's on the usage, tax. not it's, who owns yeah, it. Yeah, it's, or it's where based it's on uh, the fact that it's here. Um, you shared with me that the, the prices for these uh, planes are, are not typical what I would think, you know, like ten million, fifteen million. Um, they're they're five hundred thousand, a million dollars. You explained to me. Yeah, it depends on the aircraft. Uh, yeah. What a lot of people don't know is that there's an aircraft for every budget. Yeah. Okay. You not can, my budget. Yeah, well, I mean, you can get a <laughs> uh, you can get a nineteen seventies era piston engine, uh, a single engine four seater. Um, uh, and, and when I say piston engine, I'm talking about an air-cooled four-cylinder engine, much like a, an old uh, Porsche engine. Um, and um, it might be the price of a Honda Accord. Wow. Really? You know, depending on the condition and depending on the frills and all that stuff. But in and business... Then, and then business aircraft, you know, it's... Business is not defined by the size of the aircraft. It's defined by the fact that the person is using the aircraft for business. So somebody who lives in South Georgia and he's I going to other small towns mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, that are just 200 miles away, he's not going to get a big jet or a turboprop. He's going to get a piston single or a piston <coughs> twin. Excuse right. me. All right. And those uh, small little Cessnas, those right. little planes would Cessnas, qualify for the, for, the, for the tax deduction you were talking about. Um, 
Because you could be able to buy it and have sure. it right, yes. awful in yes. one year. Right. But how do you, back to that, uh, how do you document the fact that you were using it for business? Like, say you brought your wife or a girlfriend on the trip with you and you're, you're Seriously? flying. Seriously? Your yeah. wife or girlfriend, well, well, Eric? Well, certainly not both. You see, he's not a tax attorney, so he knows the yeah. patterns of his business. Uh, apparently, yeah, he needs he's a family law, talk. too. He's, he's going to bring his girlfriend on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying to impress the women in the audience. I see. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Think about impressing your wife. Talk about yeah. perception. Perception is everything. If I'm yeah. running a successful business, sure. one of the things I'll need as my tool is a private jet. Right. Uh, as well. I mean, how cool is it to say to my clients, you know, stay where you are, I'll send the plane for you. Right. There's a few people who do that. But most people who buy and use jets, they're using them for a lot of run-in-the-mill um, daily use. They're, they're using like smuggling their drugs. No, I mean, <laughs> uh, there, there can be people who have uh, businesses that have locations throughout the southeastern United States, right. and they're in uh, small to mid-sized towns that are not easily served or not served at all gotcha. by commercial airlines. Or they could be going to larger towns that are served by commercial airlines for a variety of reasons. It's just not practical or easy to use commercial airlines. You're, uh, you know, you're stuck with their schedule. You've got to go somewhere else after that town, and then you maybe you have to visit three towns and then come home by the evening. You can't do that with commercial flights. It's not good for a lot of business models. Now, this is incredibly interesting. Um, you know, the one, when we have you on next time, because uh, it's been, been a few years, but you've been on with us before, I want to start asking you about, you know, more about self-driving uh, planes and how that's going to affect your industry. But we can't get to it today, so that's a little tease okay. to have you back. I want to thank you very much for coming on. It was incredibly interesting. Absolutely. Good to see you again, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. For real, like, we got handshakes. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've never had that before. I think it's the first time ever. That is really awesome. I want to thank you very much, uh, Aaron. Wait one second. What is the Phil? name of your law? Oh, yeah. We didn't do that yet. Yeah, That's how do right. people get in touch with you? Oh, there sure. You yeah, Aerolaw. Thrown over. Yeah, aerolawoffices.com. A E? A E R O L A W O. And your O? O F F I C E S dot com. Yep. Gotcha. And your uh, phone number? 954 641 2220. And just do the website again because I interrupted you. Aerolawoffices.com. Thank you very much for being on. I want to thank our listeners. Be safe and be be legal. You've been listening to the award winning legal news and review, recognized by the Florida Bar's Award of Excellence. To contact the legal panel hosts and guests, go to BeLegalBuzz.com. And to reach Gary Singer, board-certified real estate and syndicated columnist, appearing in 400 media outlets, including the front page of the Money section every Monday in the Sun Sentinel, from the law firm of Gary M. Singer, PA, call 954-851-1448. For legal news and review, remember, be legal. Welcome to Legal News and